In giving away the control, you got it. So, welcome to the second episode of Control Issues. Um, I'm Zora Johnson, and this is live on Facebook Live, and we're being videotaped, and we're in a studio, in the Most High studio, so I'm mostly losing my mind. Um, I don't have the comfort of my couch and my dog and cat present, but I'm very glad to be here. Um, and here with me is Stefan, not Stefan. I someone should have corrected me. So thanks for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, are you excited to be here? I am. I am. I'm excited for the uh, opportunity to do this. And, uh, you know, just as you are, uh, nervous, <laughs> nervous. nervous and anxious on the inside. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, anxiety is good, right? It keeps us going. Keeps um, me alive, yeah. Yeah, and so, like I said, we're live. And so if you want to get in, slide in our DMs, ask us, ask us some questions. Um, and we will answer them to the best of our ability. Um, give us your feedback, all that jazz. So, um, Steph, Stefan, I want to call you Stefan because of Vampire Diaries, because um, I'm that cool and watch that show. But anyway, um, so I don't know you very well. We have mutual friends. We've met mm-hmm. once, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's your deal? Tell me like a Reader's Digest version of how long you've been sober, what's your thing, where do you live? All right. Your social security number. <laughs> well, well, we'll dive into some of the first questions. Then. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, I got sober July 27th, 2008. Uh, how old are you? Uh, 27 right now. When's your birthday? February 27th. Ah, so I'm older than you. I'm December 28th. Oh, I'll man. be 28. It's my golden birthday. <laughs> so basically... <clears throat> Yeah, I've been sober for 11 years, never did not write this out, didn't plan on it. Actually, uh, my first couple of years sober, I kept telling myself I'd probably use six months down the road. Mm-hmm. Just uh, but life, life was getting too good at the time. Um, well, that's a rough problem to have, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically, to sum up some of the other stuff, you know, what, what's been going on where I'm at now, um, have a great job, I'm an alumni coordinator. Uh, at an amazing facility and a treatment corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, with that other stuff, like right. the blessings in the program, I got I bought a house. I have a house. Oh, that's awesome. I live in West Cobb. Um, attend meetings regularly. Um, so 11 years. You got sober at 16. 16 years old. 16. That's mm-hmm. really cool. I should have been sober at 16. <laughs> um, that wasn't the case. Here we are. And, but that's really cool. What's, I mean, that blows my mind. So I guess kind of what I want to, like, how did you get to that point where at 16 years old, you not only know, but you're able to surrender to the disease and mm. getting sober. That's a big challenge to be 16 and getting sober. Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, you know, I had my issues with drugs and uh, well, <laughs> well, that's that's the that's the thing. I didn't I didn't think I was an alcoholic by any means. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, I'd be rolling into groups. I got arrested, got sent to detox, mm. got out, and it just had horrible behavior problems. I would, uh, you know, I was I was just like, I don't know, never comfortable with my own skin. Right. And uh, the real kicker for me was actually when I was, we call it the fourth step for viewers that, you know, uh, don't know, but it's a personal inventory. And uh, when I had this moment of clarity, when stuff happened in my life and uh, what was my part, 
And I was like, everything that happened in my life that was negative, I just brought a negative to it. Okay. I already used it for a negative. And I had this moment of clarity, like, man, this thinking is not right. Like everything revolves yeah. around Stefan feeling good mm-hmm. always. So where'd you grow up? You grew up, did you grow up in West Cobb or? Grew up in East Cobb. Oh, okay. So yeah. East Cobb also. snob. That's oh what yeah. <laughs> hey, I grew up in Johns Creek. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a snob, but that, that area owns, earns that title yeah. too. So, um, what was it like being 16, living in East Cobb and being sober? Man, um, so I went to wilderness for a year. Okay. So I was actually, when I got back, I was, what was I going on 18 at the time? Um, but basically coming back here, I, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I was, like I said at the beginning, I wasn't planning on being sober. Okay. But I remember my dad asking me, like, you know, are you going to, like, use again? Are you going to, like, relapse? I said, I don't know. I enjoy meetings. Mm-hmm. So I'll go to, like, a meeting tonight. And I just would go to the Freedom Club, like, every single night after school. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, my social life. Um, yeah, and just got plugged in. But, you know, <clears throat> basically, that was, that's what's been going on. Were there on. a lot of young people there? Because that's something I struggle with. with the first time I went to treatment... 2011, I was 19, and I had just gotten essentially kicked out of UGA. They did not officially kick me out, but the money ran out, and I was not able to go to UGA anymore because my parents were like, nope, you're done. Um, So I went for one semester, go to treatment. I'm young, 19 years old, Mm -hmm. right? Struggling with, I'm pretty certain I have a problem because I had been very, very regularly drinking at that point, drugs in the mix, yada, yada. But for me, what a lot of the struggles were to fully embrace it was I was unable to see how I could get connected with other people like um like the fellowship part and the program that I went to actually had a huge focus on fellowship which was great but it was the I was like well am I even an addict and alcoholic because I'm 19 I'm just I'm a party girl right that's what I told myself so what was that like for you to be 16 and go to freedom club I can imagine there weren't a lot of other 16 year olds hanging out how did you find that connection Well, I actually, you know, believe it or not, when I got back, I didn't, I would go to the meetings and I would sit down on this ledge at Freedom Club. It's like this brick ledge. And that's a great question. Nobody asked me about it. For (laughs) the first like three months, I would sit all the way down, like at the bottom of this ledge, waiting on my mom to pick me up. Right. Um, (laughs) I, I enjoyed the meeting, but I like, I just did not feel, like you said, there wasn't anybody there that was my age at that time. Okay. So like I would sit down for three months on this ledge. My mom would come pick me up. I would hop in the car and go home. Um, about at three months, there was this this guy and this girl came up and actually introduced themselves. And they're like, man, you sit down here like all the time by yourself. You don't mm-hmm. talk to anybody. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I probably created up some story of how I was cool or something <laughs> to, to connect to him. <laughs> probably right. created some rough story about me that that could connect to him like you did went to prison 10 times you know what I mean yeah can't you did, you don't did talk a dime, to me <laughs> you know did your time yeah did my time and now I'm back wilderness but, uh, yeah. you're so hardcore <laughs> hardcore just man. like your handshake yeah that's right that's right the firm handshake for everybody that knows so you're sitting there, you're talking to people, or they approached you. What happens after that? Like, how did, did you connect with them at that point? I did. They were really nice. They were super genuine. They wanted to go to the, uh, the fair at the time. And then all of a sudden, two of my buddies who I actually grew up with were there. Okay. And um, 
they like showed up at the meeting and it was just kind of like this cool reconnected we had like I felt like this like group started I had my like my first recovery group your wolf pack my wolf pack man and we went out to the country fair that night and then we started hanging out every day um another part of this too I'd like to tell you know people or you is um I got I'm big in the sport so I came back and got involved in a rugby and that was that was a big part yeah Okay, so you watch rugby now? I do. I watch, when it's on, it's not usually on. I lived in American Savannah. Um, I moved back to Atlanta December 2016 before I got sober, but I lived in Savannah for a couple of years before that. And rugby is huge in Savannah. They have a team. And um, I knew one of the guys, a good friend of mine, I guess. Um, we, we hung out in the same circles, but he was a cool dude. He played rugby, and I got to go and watch some of their practice. And I was like, this is intense because I love football. And it's not the same, but it has like similar begin. Football has similar beginnings from rugby, mm-hmm. and so I'm, it's that's really cool. You, you don't say what you watch it on occasion, like I watch it on occasion. Play? Well, not anymore. I uh, I had a few injuries that, to me, honestly, just scared me really yeah. badly. I had a horrible concussion at the end, like mm, CTE. Was, yeah, <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah, I was out of it. Um, but basically, no, I actually got involved. A buddy of mine hit me up right when I got out of uh, rehab wilderness and uh, one of the very few people. And he said, I'm going to go play rugby. Do you want to play? And I went out there and it was, I don't know, it was like a really great stress relief at the time. Just running yeah. and tackling and taking my mind off of things. So, Are you a football fan? Huge football fan. Who's your team? Falcons. Oh, God, it must suck for you. We're just giving and y'all me players. Too. Yeah, and I love it, right? <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, I'm a diehard Pats fan, and but I'm a fantasy football fan. So I like, you know, if Devontae Freeman could have done better this week, I would be a lot happier. But I'll take Sanu. It's going to be great. We can my, talk about fantasy football might all night. impact my team because I have Julian Edelman, who is mm. really the only – I got dominated this week. I lost by like 100 points, although the Giants defense pulled it out. Yeah, it just was – I played conservatively and it sucked. But what I was going to say is that, so I love football. And that was a lot of my identity when I was out was the like, how I socialized with people was watching football and watching hockey. And so getting sober, I didn't know how to navigate that. Like, how do I go watch football if I can't go to a bar, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's something for my first year of sobriety. I was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. And I was in this fantasy football league. Well, I guess that was my second year of sobriety, but nonetheless, that's been something that's been interesting to reconnect with because I love football. And now I've found some other people who are also sober who will go watch. Some of my friends will come and watch slash they just talk and eat chicken tenders the whole time. Shout out, Drew. Love you. Um, (laughs) But um, that's been weird for me. It's like parts of my identity that were attached to using and drinking. Mm -hmm. I don't, I still like, is that my identity or was that just a part of my past? Do you have anything in your life that is like something you feel like you've either lost getting sober or maybe you found new things that you like? I would uh, definitely say baseball. Baseball. Um, Wait, which way you lost them or gained it? No, I lost it. Oh, Um, okay. I was uh, really big in the baseball growing up. My uh, grandfather was a major league baseball player. And then uh, me and my brothers were really, you know, we had great, uh, great history with it, I should say now. Um, but when I, when I got sober, I had a chance to uh, come back to baseball. Okay. And um, I, I, 
it just wasn't the same for me. I had uh, come back to play or come to, come back to watch. Go play. Okay. I can watch baseball all day, um, but there's something about it. Like when I got sober, I realized that my I don't know. It's just like that passion got lost for it. Mm. And I, I connected it a lot. I guess I don't say this a lot. I connected it a lot to my use. Okay. Um, it was like both, both were like playing off each other because I was good at it. So I would play off the ego of being very good at mm. baseball. Mm-hmm. And that would get me like high. And then I would also, you know, be using drugs when I'm not playing baseball. So right. like, yeah. That's that's something that's interesting. The, the ego, right? I think a lot of why I really loved being involved with fantasy football leagues was the ego, right? And it's mm. all shit talking, and and I love all that. The time. But now I'm so sensitive. Like, I got sober. I got really sensitive. I probably was sensitive before, but just didn't even know I had emotions. Um, but the fantasy league that I'm in now is awesome, and we have a Facebook page, and someone every week gets nominated for who pooped the bed, who played uh-huh. the worst. Well, I think it was, it wasn't last week. It was like three weeks ago. Maybe, um, I had lost by two points because I switched out the Cowboys defense for the Falcons defense mm. upon a suggestion bad from move. a guy that I liked. Okay. So bad moves, bad moves. Right. I, and that is not, I'm normally very calculated about it. Um, well, one of the guys who's in the league was giving me shit about it. And, as he's giving me shit about it, I got really, really mad. And I was like, and I text him like, do not communicate with me again tonight. And mm. he is cool and respected the boundary. But I realized like, wow, maybe I don't have the chops for playing fantasy anymore. And it's been like my, my ego gets too much into it, right? Like I've started to learn how to assess where, when I'm becoming either too much ego or maybe not any ego. And I guess if that's the right way to say it, um, But when it comes to fantasy football, I'm still trying to figure that out because I have all this ego. Like, I feel like as a woman, I have to, maybe this is just me, like, I have to prove to you that I can hang in the boys club when it comes to football. Mm. That's why I have a solid handshake, right? And you have an intense handshake, which (laughs) very firm, firm, (laughs) as Adam will will, um, affirm as well. Um, Right. And so for me, a lot of my ego comes into play where I'm like, I have to be heard why you can't ever get me to shut up. I have to prove to you that I am strong and not vulnerable, which is the word of the year, vulnerability. Um, And like, just the fact that I'm, I lost this week and now I'm three and four crushes my pride Mm. because all these dudes who are like really cool guys that I know from in recovery and we all do some really cool stuff um, for the fellowship that I predominantly participate in and like I want them to respect me and I'm like if I continue to lose they're gonna think I'm just this girl who can't play fantasy football well that's interesting um my question is like what do you what do you find strength where do I find my strength? Yeah, like what oh. what makes strength? How much time do you have? Do I have to pay you the money I give my therapist? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'd be nice. That's been a lot of what this year has been about for me. You know, I, I picked up two years in April, and at that time I was very, very highly considering killing myself. And I was very depressed and in a really bad spot. And I, instead of running into that, I ran the other way into the program and into action. And mm-hmm. it took a lot of humility. And that's probably why my word of the year is vulnerability, because I had to get vulnerable. I 
shared in a meeting in front of 75 people about how I legitimately wanted to kill myself and I was miserable. Um, and so this year I've been trying to figure out where, where can I find peace in myself, right? Like maybe not just strength, but like being okay with who I am. I have control issues. Mm. Um, it's something, look at that beautiful logo. Um, I could feel I did. it staring into me. I did it. Um, so right humble. Um, but <laughs> finding like a lot of where my strength and what I thought, I just did four-step inventory, just did my fist step. A lot of where my identity comes from is, am I the hardest working? Am I, I have to be the best at everything. And if I'm not, then I'm nothing. And so I've been trying to find my strength in stepping back from my control issues and finding strength in I am a human and I am a little neurotic when it comes to writing lists and organization and I hold my values of interpersonal relationships really high and my loyalty is a thing and recognizing that that might not be the most attractive quality sometimes like when I'm talking attractive I'm talking about like I don't twerk and I don't have a big butt right like it makes it hard dating sometimes because a lot of who I am has been I've been told I'm intimidating and intense mm. and I don't know it's I'm trying to find strength in my intensity if that makes sense mm -hmm. so um you've been sober a long time mm-hmm like for the my whole dr using career that's 10 years right you, you've, you've been sober for that time I can't wait till I get to like I don't know lap my time of using as I just hit the microphone sorry um but did you have experience like do you feel at this time being 11 years sober that you know what your strengths are or is that something you still struggle with um well actually I I think in long-term recovery that's something that you kind of start figuring out Okay. You know, you start understanding, uh, you know, who you are and, and when your defects are cropping up. And, uh, mm. um, I think, I think for me, like one of my, my strengths is, is, uh, being understanding and okay. compassionate. Uh, I used to have horrible anger problems and that's, that was like something like growing up. Like punch walls, anger problems? Punch walls. I, it, so me and my friends, I used to always share this and in wilderness, they gave me a pamphlet called King Baby. Okay. Like I was deemed King Baby, and like you know, stuff stuff was either Stefan's way or it was the highway. So King Baby, explain that to people who might not understand what you're talking about. So King Baby is uh, it's a stage character that I'll let you even know right now that I developed when I was younger, where basically it's derived as stuff needed to go my way. You know, or else I was going to pout, manipulate, somehow mm -hmm. figure out how this scenario can end up in a direction that I can win. And I wouldn't stop. And I did that subconsciously. Okay. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, but understanding that through my first uh, fourth step, I really wanted to work on it. I, rugby helped me out a lot because you're just going to get hit so hard. Dude. It's, it's you can miserable. literally take out the anger on other people. You take it out on other people, but then you pick up the ball and you get smacked. And it's mm -hmm. just how that game's going to go. Um, and, and there's other scenarios in life that I had to be sober. I had to accept that those things needed to happen. Right. Um, you know, through some breakups that I've had. Oof. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Those, those have probably been 
you know, the worst, but, and I mean that in a way of like, when I would leave, it's like I would do everything correctly, but my mind couldn't accept like something positive out of it. Okay. Because I had this like king baby, like things needed to work So the king baby still pops up? At times, yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of my biggest addictions is king baby. But I've done a great job at, you know, basically moving in the other direction and being more. So what does that look like for you? Like for me, when the defects pop up, I have some tools in my toolbox that came from from working steps and from therapy, right? Like where I can can kind of do the complete opposite. For you, how do you... What I'm picturing with King Baby is like a big Trump balloon right now, right? Like the, like a big baby balloon. Mm-hmm. How do you pop that balloon? Uh, honestly, yeah, I haven't been perfect at it in my recovery. There's been scenarios I've fought. <gasps> really? You're not a saint? <laughs> I'm not sitting next to not, Mother Teresa right not now? A, not a saint, not Mother Teresa. Mind-blowing. <laughs> That's good sarcasm. Um, I'll be here all night. I think it's exactly like that scenario beforehand. It's uh, learning how to kind of laugh at a scenario, learning how to uh, understand that there's there's a bigger picture at play. Um, I think for me, a lot of like what I do is is kill my ego. Okay. Like I'll go up and I'll explain my scenario to someone who I know is 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 not going to agree with me. Mm-hmm. Get and, vulnerable. Yeah, and I've just done it so much in my recovery to where now, as I always I always tell people, mm-hmm. like if you can become comfortable with killing your ego, you're gonna live a long and happy life. I think that's applicable for even if you're not in recovery, right? Like when it yes. comes down to it, all the things that we talk about here are applicable to anyone with whom. Hum- human. I'm like a cat, like, um, human experience. Everyone loves those memes. Don't laugh at me, Adam. Um, but you know, human experience, right? Like if you come into the program and you're not one of us, really, you're, I don't think your life's going to get worse by working steps No, in my opinion. Right. Um, but I think you touched on something that intrigued me. So you talked about like, you've, you've been doing this a lot, right? You've been doing a lot of things for a long time. Do you ever feel like you get stuck in that resting on your laurels, like what I like to equate to the same vanilla sex for 10 years? Do you ever, like, how do you navigate once you're just kind of coasting along? Or is the coasting what I'm looking for? I don't know. Uh, so that's that's a great question. I mean, nowadays, I don't I don't really get caught like I used to. I guess in like my first five years, I would I would be thinking I'm doing great. And then next thing you know it, I haven't gone to a meeting in a year. Wow. And I've been dating, you know, this one girl, uh, and I'm like, oh, I'm fine, and justifications and whatever. I think a lot of like what I do nowadays is I'm so protective over my recovery. Mm-hmm. I I'll talk to anybody and say this is what's going on. Um, I feel like I don't know. I don't ever feel like I'm resting on my laurels anymore, so to speak. But okay. I can feel like when I'm like coasting and it's starting to feel a little depressing. Yeah, you know, like I'm trapped. When I first, like 2011, uh, I heard that phrase resting on my laurels for the first time. And I had no idea what that was. And I like to think I'm fairly intelligent. I have a decent vocabulary. My diction is not too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than talking about vanilla sex and remembering my parents might be watching this. Um, (laughs) So, Dad, I love you. Um, But anyway, um, resting on your laurels means to 
um, rest on your past achievements, right? And I kid you not, it took like in six months ago, someone finally explained it because I was too prideful to be like, what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, what is resting on your laurels? And people would talk about it and that would just be not something I talked about. Um, so, you know, just a point of information because a lot of people might be two years, like I'm two and a half years over now, but be at the two year mark and be like, I don't even know what that phrase means. Mm -hmm. I had to have someone explain to me all the cliches, you know, <laughs> what does let go and let God really mean? Um, but now that I know them, I swear, I just put them in everywhere. Um, so I had a cool weekend where I got to go and buy a car mm. on my own. Um, so I have bought a car on my own one other time. And that car, um, I just, it was so impulsive. Um, I had a really crappy older car that I got in a bad accident. And so I needed a car and I just went to drive time, bought a car. I could not afford the car. Um, but my pride and ego were there and I'm like, I have to have a nice car. And it wasn't super nice. I had a Nissan Versa. Um, I didn't really even like the car to think about it. Like I didn't take time to research, but to make a long story even longer, um, my car was repossessed twice and the last time was three years ago. And so I've been driving this 2000 Nissan Xterra that I love, um, but it's falling apart. And I, got to a point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Um, and I made a phone call to CarMax to see if it was even possible. And so it was really cool to be able to buy this vehicle on my own. And I did the research and I was like, I bought a Mazda 3. I'm like, this has good safety ratings and the maintenance will be affordable. And I did research on the actual vehicle I was looking at. Um, so you said you bought a house, right? Mm -hmm. Um, isn't that one of the best parts about like the promises of this program? Like I got to buy a car and it's my car and yeah, it's going to suck making the car payments, but like what are some of the other things that have popped up in your life that are not tangible items that are promises coming true? Oh man, I got, there's, there's many. Um, my parents nowadays come to me to seek advice about Ooh. certain things. Yeah, they'll like talk to me about their different scenarios and what my perspective on right. them. I never thought that was going to happen. I am not there yet. I call my dad. I'm like, I need an adultier adult <laughs> to tell me how my co-insurance works on my insurance and I work in insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it, and it's it's interesting. I think, I you know, I still ask them questions about like adulthood and how to do this, how to do that. And, I, you know, we're more of a team now. And I, it was never like that growing up. It was always just me, take, take, take. Mm -hmm. And them giving me advice. And I'm like, whatever, dude, you know. Um, some other stuff is friends, family, um, my brothers especially, you know, have have a deep, immense uh, love and, and uh, look up to me mm. um, in a lot of ways. And uh, I... It's kind of, I don't know, sometimes I'm like riding around in my car and I'm just amazed because I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, mm, you know, mm -hmm. that's like so magical. Um, besides like just trying my best to be the best version of me. Right. That's as simple as, as what I'm doing. I'm not, you know, doing anything. But that's another promise, you know, that I, I, was, I never thought I was going to be there yeah. in these spots. Well, all the promises I thought that were going to happen were going to be, I was going to get a car. That was a big deal for me, apparently. I like to have my freedom. I'm, mm -hmm. I live on my own. I'm very independent. <clears throat> um, I'm going to get the boyfriend back. I'm going to have more money. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to look good mm. and all these things. And I, 
was very humbled by it's actually the other stuff that's happened so far. And I'm, I'm still in the kindergarten years of sobriety, right? I'm two and a half years sober. But the promises that have come true in my life, like you talked about your family. I have incredible parents and two little sisters who are six and 10. And I went over to show my parents my car on Sunday. And my sister was just beaming with excitement to see me. And I was on the phone with the sponsee. And so she's outside dancing. Oh, as I hit the microphone again. Um, <laughs> I'm going to break the place. I'm sorry. If I break it, I'll buy it. Um, But um, so she's dancing around and like just the look of excitement and joy to see me. That's something that I didn't have for so long. Instead, there was usually the look of terror and irritation seeing my family, not my sisters. Um, And I'm blessed to live a mile and a half from my parents. So I can show up in about five minutes. Um, The car is pretty cool. The apartment that I live in is pretty cool to live by myself. And, um, but with that being said, you have promises and then there's the complete opposite. Like I talked about wanting to kill myself at two years. What have been the struggles along the way? Or what Mm. are you struggling with now? That's really what I want to know. So that's funny that you brought that up. I guess like the other weekend, um, what was it? Probably two weekends ago, I woke up and I felt that kind of resting on my laurels, kind of like depression. Okay. And um, I just felt unmotivated. I could not motivate myself. And I called a friend and uh, I actually sat down with coffee with a friend Mm -hmm. and uh, opened up to him. And I guess one of the main issues that that I run into a lot is I I focus so much energy on others. Mm. Like it it can go on for days. One, I'm extroverted. I can okay. talk to a tree. Um, and I just sit there and just doing what I do, I can go days without uh, talking about myself unless I'm around certain people that I like trust. Right. And I have like these kind of trust issues with that that I'm kind of mm-hmm. realizing. Like there's like maybe like, I mean, there's like five people, but I have to be around them like in person. Your inner circle. Yeah. 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 The rest of it, I'm constantly just listening and trying to assist. I had to learn that I'm an extroverted introvert because Uh, which kind of sounds like, you know, not to play therapist, but to play therapist, like what you're talking about, right? Like I love being around people. I could talk paint off a wall. They should never have put a microphone in front of my face. Um, (laughs) And Adam left one at my house and he might not get it back. I'm just kidding. Uh, But so. I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) Right? (laughs) He doesn't know that I've been reading out of my unusual fax book just to myself and taping it on my computer. I'm like, people must know about bats. Um, (laughs) But. I do not recharge with people, and I can do it, but we talked about it in the car before we got in here. Um, There was a period of time where I was like really just go, 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 go. I had three sponsees. Everything was always about other people, and I realized recently that like I haven't had time to myself. So this past Saturday, I took the day, and I did laundry. I reorganized my closet. I hung out with my dog. I did some work. I spent the whole day by myself and I forget that I have to do that self-care which for everyone looks differently Um, and it's hard because I am so extroverted so a lot of I get invited to a lot of things and I'm very lucky for that Um, but I don't know it depends on how you recharge right so just a friendly reminder to anyone watching or listening or if you're listening after the fact um, 
We are live at the Most High Studios. <laughs> we got we have a, a comment. We have a comment. Hold on. Yeah. So also huge shout out to Christian and the Most High Studios for letting us be here. Um, and Most High. Yeah, being so hospitable. Um, and high. On a, not high on life. High on life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do I need a little drug test? There's a CVS right around the corner. Um, but we have a comment. Someone commented. What have we got, Adam? Um, Who? James says you're already weird. Which James? The one who's sitting back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm oh, weird? Yeah. No, he was, that was actually directed at me. <clears throat> oh, okay. So Adam's <laughs> getting comments, but we would love to have the comments. <laughs> comments. Wait, we got another comment. Okay, we have more comments. <clears throat> it's Leslie. She says hello. Hey, Leslie. Tell Les. Leslie's awesome. And Kim Farron says she is same. I am an extroverted introvert right here. Five hand emojis with a female figure. Emoji. I love it. Yeah, that's. Um, Evan just yelled at you too. He said Stefan and all caps. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell him I can hear him. That's. I've had that conversation with Kim a good bit actually, because um, she and I have become close friends. She's dating one of my best friends, and that was weird at the beginning because, um, you know, her boyfriend's dating or not dating. Her boyfriend it not ever dating. Her boyfriend's very close friend is a chick, and so it caused a little bit of friction between she and I. And, and we ended up having a really awesome, vulnerable conversation about it. And I'm like, dude, no. Gray is like my brother. He's a redheaded guy with dreads. We sort of look alike. Um, but it's been cool to connect with her and to find the other people that are like that, like extroverted introverts, because people don't get it if you're 100% extroverted or if you're 100% introverted. I think I get it. I mean, I'm like 100% extroverted. That's awesome. It's 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 insane. It's a, it's a problem. It's, it's a problem. It's a, <laughs> it's a problem. It's I mean, it's a quality. Yeah. I can I can talk to whoever. I don't have an issue. I don't have any fear in it. Right. But uh fear. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's right. no shutting down. I can go like That's what she said. Day. <laughs> um, and Evan, my bad. I forgot about the whole Facebook Live thing. So hello, wherever you're at. That's cool. He's inside the internet. He's in, you're inside, inside the, the internet. Um, all right. So you open a, a can of worms here. It's Adam's all. Adam's on it. Adam's in charge. I just talk. Um, but fear. Mm. Fear is the the hardest thing for me to deal with, <clears throat> doing my four-step, doing my fifth-step inventory, and we're looking at patterns, and mine is all just, a lot of it is fear of not being good enough, fear of being alone. Those are two big ones that are predominant in my life. Um, so you've been sober a long time. Is it easier for you to recognize those fears, or do you are you still going through the same thing like me where you got to write inventory about it, nightly inventory? So, no, I'm not the best about nightly inventory, but I will tell you with, with what I do is I really try to embrace just being human. I okay. have a disease. I have in a very addictive mindset and can become very obsessive about things. Mm -hmm. If I don't, and I have a network for that and I do what I need to do to kill my ego with that. But a lot of like what I, what I deal with, like one of my biggest fears is fear of people liking me. Liking you? Yes. Not disliking you. Just uh, to clarify for the uh, record. Well, yeah, I guess it's the fear of dislike. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> I was going to be like, people liking you? Don't, I want some of that. Yeah, do not like me. <laughs> um, it's an in intense handshake. Yeah. So basically with that being said, um, a lot of like what I do is is 
there's there's parts of me that I'm never going to be perfect at. And we discussed that. No, mm -hmm. I'm not a saint. But how do I just become okay with like, hey, sometimes I'm just going to feel a little weird. Right. And not make it this very crazy scenario. Some, some months I'm just going to be off. Some months I'm going to be on. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just part of the human condition. Yeah. And I'm, I've been working a lot on that the past couple of years, you know. It's hard for me, too, to lean into the fears, you know, and trust that God has a bigger plan for me um, or whatever your higher power, whatever it is that leads you. That's just <clears throat> my thing. And the f I don't know if maybe it's even more present in women where I just constantly feel like I'm not good enough. And I say constantly, but really, I mean, like, that's what's my biggest problem mm -hmm. is that I compare myself to other people. Well, if I... If I just knew how to twerk, if I just had a bigger butt, if I was just, I don't know, more feminine, you know, mm. I, I think my shirt's hip, but I feel like I might look a little bit mask. I don't know, like my, my camo shirt. I mean, you can't see me, so you wouldn't know I'm wearing a camo shirt, but um, that was a joke. You guys can laugh. Um, I think it can be very hard because especially with social media, right, and especially with just where we're at in 2019, there's this big push to be more like the Kardashians. And in my mind, I want to be more like Brene Brown, mm. you know, because I look at women who have courage and who are vulnerable and who are not, I just, I, I should probably write some inventory on the Kardashians, got a big beef with them. Um, you know? No, I just don't like what they stand for. And like, I don't like the idea of promoting that your body is everything and that money solves all problems. And I see younger girls, I used to run a restaurant, there were younger girls who like were trying to shift their lives in the Kardashian style, right? And maybe that some of that's my own personal thing where I'm like, well, I think I'm intelligent and people don't like intelligence and they want that. And so I feel, but nonetheless, to make. Hot take. I'm sure there's like, this is, I just want to throw this Yeah, in please, Adam. There's probably people watching right now thinking, why do they, why do they think they can talk? Or why do they think they're sober? Or why do they, enough to share on these types of things? That like, we kind of put narratives on people when we don't know. Yeah. And like, to put yourself out there on camera like this, there's people commenting. There's people watching. Your mom's here. Your mom's <laughs> Not my mom. My hey, mom's mom. dead. <laughs> um, it's like we know we don't really know. Like, how do you truly know somebody? Like, truly know me or truly know the Kardashians? The Kardashians. Touche. I guess I don't. You know. Mm. I just. I guess that's the image that they present, and so. I maybe it's more me comparing myself to them or comparing myself to my lack thereof with them. And I am not the authority on talking about being sober. I'm not the authority on talking about anything except for I'm pretty darn good at disability insurance. Um, and I get paid to do that. Um, I, got a, I got a question. Okay. Adam has a question. This is from Sean Paul Mahoney. He wants to know. <laughs> this is a good one. Can you be spiritual, sober, and still kind of a hoe? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can you be spiritual? sober and still kind of a hoe and he's asking for a friend asking for a friend so that means for him all right um <laughs> we all know how that game works i think that it depends people like to say you're a you're a hoe right <laughs> like that's i think it determines are you being a hoe or 
are you being honest with the people you're engaging with? Like if you're being honest and you want to get it in and like, that's it. As long as you're having an honest, and this is all my personal opinion. Do not take this as the word of God. This is my personal opinion. Mm. Um, Cause I am not the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. I think there's a difference between being a hoe and manipulating people and using sex as a drug and just wanting to connect with someone physically and if you want to just connect, as long as you're having an open and honest conversation with that other person, I see no problem with it. That is spiritual. Um, I also don't exactly, although I've used it before, lo- love the term hoe because there's just this idea that like, well, if you're not, if you can't put the people on one hand that you've slept with, then you must be a hoe. Um, I don't know. What's your, t- what's your take, Stefan? Can, we, can I have the question one more time? Yeah. Can you be spiritual, you sober, and <laughs> be, be a hoe? Yeah. Can you be spiritual, sober, still kind of a hoe? There's also another question for Steph after this one. All right. Cool. Um, if you guys... Go ahead. <laughs> can you be spiritual, so- sober, yeah. and still kind of a hoe? So, so here's my take. Yeah, of course you can be sober and be a hoe. You... Uh, spiritual... You can be I, sober and be anything, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, um, Spiritual, it, you know, to me, there's, there's, there's like various... Um, stages to me of like spirituality. Um, I definitely think you could be spiritual and be a hoe, but not like in the sense of where, how can I say this? Um, when I've done it in my personal recovery, when yeah, when I've hoed, it's, it's, uh, it's not been, it's not been a pleasant experience. Like I still had a connection with my higher power, but it was very dimming and uh, dark and not where I wanted it to be. So I think it just matters where you want to be at. My experience, my data, I didn't like it, you know? And that's how I share things. You can be spiritual, but not spiritually fit, right? Like There we go. Like I have a gym membership to Crunch, and I go to the gym at my work, so I'm just, so I do work out. But like I can have a gym membership somewhere, but not be actually going to the gym. Right. Like you might have a connection <clears throat> to God. Yeah. I, I, you, but maybe you're not from my experience when I'm acting out in that behavior, because I think we're trying to use the negative connotation of the word ho here. Um, that's when I'm not connected to God in the best possible way for me. How about the positive connotation? Can you sleep with people regularly if you like to? Yeah. I think I can only speak out of my experience. Yeah. So the next question is, Directly related to Stefan's experience, it's from uh, Connor Culkin. He wants to know, is it hard being so damn perfect? (laughs) Oh, Connor. Connor, Connor, Connor. I love that guy. Um, Man, uh, there's nothing about me that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's... uh, Your hair is pretty nice. Hair is nice. And you've got a good smile. I've been smiling since the day I was born. <laughs> Seriously, a quick story on that. Okay. I was, uh, I got arrested. I was sitting in, uh, I remember this, and mom, if you're still on, I don't know if uh, she was there that day. She's not, but Tracy says, hey. Tra- Tracy Lawhorn. Hello, how are you? Anybody here for me? replied to you, she said, I'm so glad you made the camo shirt joke. I was two seconds away from saying, all I can see is a floating head. Thanks. I was, uh, I was going uh, in, we were going to, you know, basically have my case done that day. And I showed up in the court and I was just smiling. When I get nervous, I smile a lot. Actually, okay. I, I just smile all the time. So you're really nervous right now? 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You got a big grin, so I'm just checking. But it's always there. I, I don't know. It's just something. <laughs> I'm just always smiling. Um, so I was sitting there. I was just smiling, and the judge looks over at me, and he says, I don't think you're taking these charges seriously. And I was like, I, I am. And he's like, mm -hmm. can you please take the smile off your face? And I'm like, I can't <laughs> the smile I'm, you're making me smile you're, here you're the joker and he says, over here. I, I just don't think you're taking this seriously and I'm like I I don't know what to tell you right now the smile is staying on my face do you think that uh may have hurt you the smile I I didn't know what to do he right. made it worse he may have I'm, thanked the police officer for rapping <laughs> but that's <laughs> That's their goal sometimes, right? Like if, what was it? Uh, it was, there was a TV show. It was like about LA cops. And the one guy was like, your goal today is to get someone to thank you for arresting them. And it ended up happening. It was like a really cute little story. But I mean, aren't you grateful they arrested you? You wouldn't be here today, right? Uh, yeah, very grateful that, uh, that I got taken out. And uh, <laughs> did they wait? Did you thank them when it happened, or did you thank them after the fact? Oh no, I did not thank them while it happened. Okay. No. Yeah. No. 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 I was too busy. I believe your brother was outside the window, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 I was too busy. Uh, Can they hear you well, Adam? On this? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. You. I mean. I just want to make sure Adam's thoughts are getting heard for those who might be listening after the fact, not in the live version. I can't tell. I, I'm, I can't I'm either. Well, we'll just roll with it. I'll relay any important facts. Um. So basically, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I got arrested. I walked out. I walked outside the house, and there were still friends of mine inside the house. So I was I was trying to figure out this. I was really really messed up. Right. Like fucked up, and uh, I was trying to figure out a good story so that they wouldn't go inside the house and catch them, which I did. I, Maybe I didn't. I don't really remember. But I, I came up with something. And I was sitting in the back of the cop car, and I just had my hands behind my back. And, and then uh, all I can remember from that night, too, is uh, my little brother coming up and hitting the cop window. Mm -hmm. I said, there's my brother. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. Go away. <laughs> little hey. baby baby. Yeah. yeah and we then, got the high sign that we can hear Adam, so thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, so do we have any more questions? I guess we're in the question asking or answering portion. Yeah. Yeah, now we are. We got... We got 12 minutes left in the show. 12 Let's minutes left in the show. In. We'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah. Should I get on the, the Facebooks and see if we got some people? I got, got them right here. Angelique Andrews. She's laughing at you guys right now. Awesome. Just laughing. Just, just go laughing. Away. Go away, Angelique. I, I, I like Angelique. Hey, no. Yeah. That's great. You no, know? This is fun times. We're here right. to laugh. We're here to chuckle. We're here to share experiences. We're here to hear that we can hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure that you're heard, Adam. Okay? They said they can. Stefan Glamp is so nervous. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? I, of yeah. course she did. <laughs> I think we're all a little nervous. I mean, this is outside the norm, especially like I know I've only done one by myself and then Adam came over. Well, a secret fact, Adam and I did an episode that never got aired, just me and him. Um, but secret episode. secret episode that I don't know what's going to go on with it. But nonetheless, um, so I've only done a couple of these. Um, and I will say it's very different being here. Um, there's people here I don't know. Um, I don't really know you. Um, I there's a light shining in my face. I can see my reflection in the in the glass. So I'm like trying not to look at myself like a peacock. Um, 
and my dog's not here. And I didn't realize how much like his presence is so calming on me, my little foster baby. Um, but so I get like, you know, nervous is normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure other people do. do you, I wonder if other podcasters get nervous. Like the, I listen to the McElroy brothers, like they seem to just have no problem. So there's, there's like two types when it's like just an intimate conversation. Yeah. It's like totally comfortable, but then there's live. Yeah. Totally different experience. And the one shout out to the last week out podcast, which is one of my favorites, um, that some of my friends do out in Arizona. Um, and they've do theirs. They did like the first eight episodes or so on just audio. And then they switched to, um, video with it. Um, but they're in like a tiny room and it wasn't live, but then I have other friends who do ones that are not videoed, you know, it's such a different, what do we got, Adam? I, I see your grin. Stuff, I know. I wanted to just dive right in with the, if, we just opened the studio open house. We had this, we're running now most high. Yeah. We should just go all in. That's why we're doing it. Oh today. yeah. And I'm so grateful to be here. This is incredible. Um, got a bunch of comments on the way. Yeah. What do we got, Adam? Tell right, us the comments. Uh, Xander Van, Van Dozel, Van Ozdol. We can just do first names, probably. Stefan, does it hurt waking up and pissing excellent? We got Angela Andrews who just can't stop laughing. That's what she's doing right now. I'm so glad people are loving it. Evan Bowen wants to know if a car is traveling at the speed of light, can you see the headlights? No. I'm going to say yes. Does he have an answer for us that's actually I just, correct? I just but don't want to go along with her answer on it. So Evan, that's fair. Answers to that, I don't have Wikipedia open, bro. So <laughs> it would, if the lights were in front of it, it would. I feel like it'd kind of be like that sound thing. Like if you're, if a car is driving faster than the speed of sound, you can't hear. It. Like, I don't know. Someone get the physics answer. I don't know all the. I'm just math. gonna say, uh, yeah, I can see it well, until somebody tells question. me no. If a tree falls in the woods, it still makes a sound. Yes. If a turtle is walking on the ocean floor. Does it think fish are flying? What are you going to say? I'm not a turtle, but it would make sense. Maybe not flying. Maybe Uh, it knows they're swimming. Then I'm going to go flying. Cool. We're just going to have opposites. (laughs) Does anyone have any thought-provoking non? We've got uh, Tony Vernon saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. (laughs) We've got Angelique, who's still just dying over there. Cool. I hope you're okay, Angelique. (laughs) And then we do have some thought-provoking questions. Marina Love wants to know a little bit about the difficulties you were going through around two years sober. Okay. Mm. Um, Go ahead. And how do you deal with compulsion to control? Ah, oof. Uh, Two really good things. Um, So um, around two years sober, I was in a spot where I was not actively doing much work. I was involved with service. I I pretty much always do that. Um, I kind of got to a point where I was disconnected to God. I had gotten out of a year-long relationship, um, and in that relationship, he had some issues with his faith, and I took those on on my own and started to question things um, and got disconnected with God, and so as a result, I got to this point where I was, like, really depressed, and I had jumped immediately into a really unhealthy relationship right after my long-term one, and so I remember the week I got sober, I picked up my chip on a Tuesday, and I picked up my chip one other time because I was like, I feel like a fraud. I'm miserable. I, and at that point, I was like, I don't, I can't use, I can't drink. This is the only other solution I know. And thankfully, there was another solution that didn't involve drinking and using. It did involve killing myself. Um, so that's where I was at. And like the last six months of my life, because I, I guess I'm right just past six months, two, uh, two years and six months, but the last six months have been some of the hardest in my life. 
of really getting vulnerable and honest. Um, I start a women's meeting at my house um, where I have that opportunity to be vulnerable and honest um, and just being okay with experiencing life as it comes and lots of humility. Um, I've had some issues butting heads with people in my life that I'm, you know, working through right now. Um, but yeah, that's what was going on. And the compulsion to control is so hard for me. I swear the serenity prayer just rotates in my head all day long. Um, a lot of it is allowing other people to be in control, silently fuming inside. Um, but just understanding that I have to give other people the opportunity. They might not fail if I just give them the opportunity. I can't think they're inherently going to fail. You have control issues, Stefan, mm. right? What's your take on compulsion to control? You know, believe it or not, I've, well, with my, with my take on it, I think it's just uh, part of the human condition that we want things to go our way. So there's, so there's little sayings I say, uh, you know, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, people are not my property. Um, you know, like nobody's going to do exactly what I want them to do. Right. It's just never going to happen. Um, in terms of, in terms of other stuff, you know, I, I have a firm belief in God mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, with, I say, when I say that, I mean it. So therefore, like when stuff happens, every single moment it happens for a reason, you know, I can't just say, I, you know, I mean that and then not accept that. So I think when stuff is getting like those control issues or getting in the way. It's right. more of my ego and my fantasy world that I'm wanting. Yeah. But that was the stuff that was killing me. That's why I went to drugs and alcohol because that yeah. fantasy world was never going to get accomplished. Well, and I think there's some amount of fantasy world and there's some amount of, we don't have to co-sign everyone's actions, right? Like I don't have to control them. Um, but also I don't, I can accept things without having to say they're okay, right? Like acceptance is not the same thing as agreeance. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to agree. Like I have firm views on bro code, girl code things. And when someone does something that's in my mind a violation, I don't have to agree with it. I can accept that that's the situation. I don't have to control them. I just walk away from it. A lot of not controlling has looked like being okay with not being involved in absolutely everything and learning that some of the people that I are in my life are only here for a season, right? You know, mm. and, and boundaries come to that, right? Like someone constantly taking my inventory for me. I'm, it's okay to say, this is not okay with me. You can be my friend. You are not my sponsor. And either the friendship continues or being like, well, we're like, this is just, here's my boundary and that's okay. It's okay to have boundaries and live by those. Mm -hmm. You should have boundaries and live by them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have boundaries. I mean, a lot of times, you know, with stuff that, that you're saying, I don't know, I kind of, you know, that I don't really run into stuff like that. Well, you've been sober forever, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm cured now. Did you say you don't have boundary issues? Um, I don't have issues is setting them? issues so much as setting them. I, I typically can find a way to... So there's a question here. I want to, because we only got five minutes left. I want to ask this question. Okay. Uh, so a couple of people want to know how you deal with resentments within the room. <laughs> you should read my fourth step. It's only people in the rooms. Um, my fourth step inventory, there were people outside the rooms, but it was predominantly people in the rooms. Um, I've been a resentful bitch this year. Um, a, for me, what had to happen was doing solid four-step inventory 
I did Theater of a Lie, which was very intense, really looking at the causes and conditions, looking at the fears, looking at all of that, and sitting down with a competent person to discuss it and being very vulnerable to say, here's my super petty resentment at the dude who sits in the second row at X, Y, or Z meeting, and figuring out why that's there and how I can realize, like, where's my part? How do I show up differently? What's Adam's grinning? I can't tell if he's in, in agreeing with me or not. I was, um, I'm looking at this chat. I can't wait to see it once we're done. Um, but it's been very hard because I have resentments that I'm working through um, to a lot of people in the rooms. And, like, it, honestly, it's like I don't go to a meeting on Saturday now because I have this big resentment toward this one dude. And I understand I can just let it go. It's just taking time. Um, but then that's hindering me, right? Like, if I can't go to this meeting, maybe I'm missing out on something that I'm going to be fed there. Maybe I'm missing out on the opportunity to feed someone else, you know? Mm. And if you tell me you've never had a resentment at someone in the rooms and you're 11 years sober, you're lying, so what's your experience? No, I've had resentment. <laughs> How do you do it? How do you do it, Seth? Oh, I just go to different meetings. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not, not going to lie. I, I, don't, I don't, like, I'm not trying to be a buzzkill about this. Just in, try to keep things as simple as possible. I'll talk to my close network about it and I'll just go to a different meeting. Right. I don't like the whole, like I could feed somebody at this meeting. I, there's people there that can feed people, you know, and do yep. all that in my opinion. Uh, Dude, the, the world is a vast place. Yeah. The world's a vast place. There's and plenty of people that are helping. A lot of times with resentments too, it's sometimes you just need some space. Yeah. And also you need to be angry for a little bit too. If you want to be yeah. Well, the person that I have this resentment toward told me I don't get to be angry. So, you know, there's always that, too. Um, but sounds like it's still there. Yeah. I'm not the only one with control issues. I happen to have a lot of type A friends. Um, but nonetheless, is there a question we want to finish on, Adam? Or you, or let's keep it rolling. Let's well, go over a little bit. I I think. Well, if we've got questions coming, if not, we'll, we'll close up. Let's see if there's a couple questions. We might just close up. Let's see. We got gang shit. We got what's up from Jonathan Williams. Spencer what's Green, up, John? Yelling, yelling at Stefan. I think uh, Angelique and Spencer almost got into a, an altercation. I, I can't wait. <laughs> All this is going to be good for me to see <laughs> after. Uh, what else we got? Going? Oh. Tracy, everybody's, uh, everyone's enjoying the, uh, the recovery talk. There's great questions. I'm going to go back here. There was a question I saw that I want to ask. All right, cool. Um, Before he asks that question... I'd can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, if you, if you had to give any, any sage wisdom to someone who might be, I don't know, we'll use my two and a half years sober and that is struggling to find their groove, find like, what would you tell to someone who's not quite sure if they're in the, in the right spot? And what do you mean by that? I like guess like, feeling. like what if you're like, you're two and a half years sober. This is, this is not me. I'm just giving an example, but you're two and a half years sober and you're like, I don't know if this is right for me anymore. Maybe, maybe they're not going to stop being sober, but like, how do you, what's your experience to give to someone hope to continue on working a program of recovery or even just like bettering themselves? Um, well, I can always just ask like what they're wanting what they want out of life and then uh, kind of go from there. But, a lo but a lot of times what people what I try to tell people is there, you know, our ego is, that's my biggest addiction. That's my right. biggest enemy in life. And that to somebody who is struggling at two years or any, any point in time, right. You know, make things very simple. Mm -hmm. Don't complicate it. Cause we are so, I'm a complicated person looking for a complicated answer. It's right. just not the case. The case is life is, is, 
can come out very simply and the answers are too and can I accept that answer or am I going to sit there and pout and try to get something that I want out of it mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say to that person make your life very simple go to somebody kill your ego mm -hmm. there's you know there's a, a lot of things that you want just as I have wanted and still want you mm -hmm. know and yeah so you got one question for us to finish out Adam find something for us how do you handle, Xander wants to know, how do you handle interactions with other people with control issues? I mean, that's a, I have a lot of experience with that, with being involved. I'm a delegate to World Services for this one fellowship, and we, I went to conference in July out in Arizona, and it's 50 type A, like the biggest fish in the small pond back home. Now we're all the big fishes, and there's only so much room in that pond for a bunch of big fishes. And so we had an issue with timing. They had a set schedule, mm -hmm. and they wanted to move that but didn't tell people. Some out-of-towners had gone and hiked. Like there was a lot of control issues, and it got a little heated, and in the end it had to, like, we had to take it to a vote. You can't do that in real life. You can't be like, well, we're going to have a vote now. Um, the democratic process only works sometimes in, you know. So for me, a lot of when I have someone else who also has some control issues, what I've been trying to do is give over the control and humble myself to realize that I might not always have the answer, you know, that this podcast has been very humbling, right? Like I don't know everything. Um, I know some things, but for me, I don't know. I don't, I disagree that walking away, I don't always think that's the answer, right? Go to another meeting. Yeah, go to another meeting. But also I think there's a lot to be said for showing up and facing and leaning into what's going on with you. And maybe that resentment is something you have to work with, or maybe the person being controlling, it's an experience to be humbled. Um, and I've just found I'm, I, that I miss out on a lot of potential growth opportunities by tucking my tail in between my legs and going and doing something else because I just don't like somebody, you know? That's my experience. Mm. Well, once again, I think that brings us up to the first part of the show when you said, what do you derive strength from? Yeah. And that is proving your worth. Yeah. So I will tell you mine. Mine yeah. is surrendering. Hey, heck that yeah. Is, that is where I find strength. Yeah. I've done enough of fighting and confrontations in my life. And, uh, you know, honestly, I find it almost weaker to like act out and say, I'm going to do this to show this. Now, I do like what you said in terms of, you know, confronting that person and bringing that up. And I do that in a more of a. Oh, I don't think. Did I say confrontation? I thought you meant like when well, you the willingness to push the, yourself the willingness to push yourself not to confront the person. That's not what I meant whatsoever. Well, I guess I guess with me, I would I would spend time and bring that person alone and talk to him like, hey, I'm gathering information from you like this. Right. Is this accurate? And because uh, it could be me. Right. You know, maybe I'm the issue here. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, it's happened many times where I've been the issue. All right. We have one more question and I think we're going to see if we can wrap it up here. This is fun. Let's yeah. just keep going. This is, no, this is the last question. This is the last uh, question. Last yeah. This is the last question and it's from Spencer Gregory. Okay. Question. I know Stefan can relate to. This is what he's asking. How, how do I work on my stage character defect of being the actor so I can be more authentic? 
Mm. How does how does someone work on their stage character, the the mask or the image we present, so they can be more authentic? What do you do? How do you do that? Oh man, <clears throat> the actor's a it's a funny stage character. So like with a lot of stage characters, and uh, for whoever's out there, um, I could tell you from my experience, I don't I didn't know when I was acting in them. I've had to had people around me bring that so up to me. So stage characters for anyone who not, might not be familiar with the program or that part of it yet would be ways that you show up and try and like explain maybe that a little bit too. Uh, so for me, it's, it's trust and safety and it's a form of identity that I've created for trust and safety. It's a character defect. So basically I don't feel safe. I don't have any trust. I'm going to present myself in this manner. Right. Um, with that being said for the actor specifically, uh, what I've done is try to remove myself from scenarios that I could be the actor, uh, put myself in scenarios where I'm more quiet or uh, I'm not the basically um, the spotlight of any conversation and see how I'm reacting. And usually when that's going on, you're, you're going to feel a lot of discomfort. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to feel this, you know, like I got to present in this way or present in that way. And watch yourself while that's going on. Record it. Write it down. Or talk to somebody about it, you know. And with that being said, you'll gather data to where you'll start changing that about yourself. Right. Well, and, you know, to misquote Lizzo, we can all shine, right? Um, well, I'm so grateful that you came on and that uh, the Most Thank High you. Studio was able to host us tonight and put me in a very uncomfortable spot and, you know, get vulnerable as uh, my favorite word. Um, so thanks everyone who commented and had questions. And uh, I want to I give a shout out to uh, Sean, Sean Owens. Uh, I do love the man. <laughs> Even though you didn't know who he was? Best friend. <laughs> That's he's, awesome. He's a good guy. Oh, maybe you were joking. I missed that. Yeah, I, I have dumb humor. That's that's another thing about me, guys. I, I, I'm horrible at jokes, but I <laughs> laugh at myself. And, and if you can't laugh at yourself, who, who can you? Yeah. Um, so if you guys have some feedback on this episode, if you're listening after the fact, feel free to slide into my DMs. Um, you've got Instagram, at controlissues19. we got the Gmail, controlissues19 at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. There will be a way. If you want to contact me, I will answer. And uh, with me, please don't slide into my DMs and... Uh, you want to be left alone? I want to be Steph, alone. Stefan wants to be left alone. That's okay. <laughs> no, I I'm do. Cool actually, I love um, everybody on this on these comments. Right, but I would. But, <laughs> but I, going forward no for the for the show, <laughs> I would I would really lo I love more feedback. If you have um, things you'd like to hear about, please give me your topics. Um, if you personally would like to be on the podcast, Stefan volunteered to be on. You know, then we uh, I would love to hear about it. So, please. Hit me up. Um, I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your week, and I will bid you adieu. And with that being, yeah. with, hold on, hold on. She's with have to re -end yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, guys, she she did bring up uh, me volunteering on the show. I want to let everybody know that um, yeah, not only was this a great opportunity, I hope a lot of people take advantage of this. Mirror, this mirror on the wall, don't say it, cause I know I'm cute. Oh, baby. Knew it. Gotta be looking like Prego Lit up like a crystal ball That's cool, baby, so is you That's how I roll If I'm shining, everybody gonna shine Yeah, I'm gold. I was born like this, don't even gotta try Yeah, you know.
Don't even gotta try I like shouting 